Progress. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is a wonderful day to write the date shorthand in English because it's 2-22-22. Just saying. How many 2-22-22s are we going to have? You got to wait. Got to wait. I don't even know how long you have to wait. There's only one zero, right? Two, 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 oh, two, two. So close. So close. We got um, 200 years. Is that 200 years? So we get two, 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 two. Two, 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 two. Anyway, I don't know why this is important. All right, my friends, welcome to Daily Power. It's not. Welcome to Daily Power Parsha. It is great to see you all. What we do at Daily Power Parsha, as you know, is we cover the, the daily reading from the Torah portion. And so today we are going to cover reading number four from the Torah portion of Cheruma. Hey, Ray. Good to see you. Good to see you. Welcome, welcome. Okay, I'm going to share my screen. What, what's the page in the... Um... Oh. Hi, um, the Gudnik Chumash page. Let me hook you up. One second. We'll get that right here. Gudnik Chumash page is. One second. One second. Oh, we were up to the curtains. Oh, we had to stop yesterday. It was curtain call. Right in the middle of the curtains. Okay. So we are going to pick it up. 519. We're still in middle. We're still finishing off reading number three before we get into reading four. But it's okay. We can pull this off today. Um, oh, look at this. We got pictures. I love it. I, lo- I love when there's pictures in the Chumash. It's great. It's great. So much text otherwise. So, much, so many words. Pictures are great. All right, let's jump in. We're going to pick it up where we left off and get this party started with the curtains, the coverings. Just to clarify, and I mentioned this yesterday, it's really important. It's really important that we understand what's going on here. The Mishkan, the tabernacle, portable sanctuary, it had multiple components. But space-wise, there was like a courtyard space, like a large outdoor, under-the-sky courtyard space that was walled in by portable planks, okay? But it was open to the sky. And then toward the western side, you had a building, if you will, that had a cover. And the cover was made of curtains. That was the roof. Maybe not so waterproof. Imagine the Kohen. It's raining. I'm getting dripped on. It's like, I don't know, whatever. But this, maybe it was waterproof. Who knows? Maybe they figured, maybe they cracked the code. Um, Dr. Maxi, it's on page 519 at the Bottom, chapter 26. Okay. I got it. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So we're going to pick it up. If you have the Chumash, you get the pictures. I'll show some pictures here online as well. But we're going to do this from the text of the online. And then we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll fill it in. So it says like this. And we did these first few seconds yesterday, but we're just going to get a rolling start. And the Mishkan, the Mishkan, that's the building itself. You shall make out of 10 curtains consisting of twisted fine linen and blue, purple, and crimson wool, coming to a workshop near, uh, near, uh, near you. I'm kidding. So we had twisted uh, fine linen, blue, purple, crimson wool. That sounds really nice. I don't know about you guys. That sounds really nice to me. 
Really? A, yeah. It's like all in the same family. Very, um, very nice. Hey, not that, <laughs> I'm laughing at myself. Not that God needs me to say, yeah, it was a good fashion choice. I'm just saying, it was also nice. Okay, a cherubim design of the work of, the, of a master weaver, you shall make them a cherubim design. We had an animal design in the actual Chumash uh, translation, um, like an eagle, a lion, and Rashi and commentaries on Rashi. Was it specifically an eagle and a lion? Was it all of the animals that recover the chariot? Who knows? I wasn't there, but different opinions about what it was supposed to be done. But what we know for sure is that certain images were meant to be woven into one side and different images to the other side, which is kind of cool, as I mentioned yesterday, because a lot of times when you, you know, weave a design, when you flip it over, all you see is a bunch of knots. You don't actually see any pattern. It just looks a little scatter, scatter shot. Here, it, it was meant to be two, two, um, two images or multiple images on both sides. So would these be like the Lions of Judah or what? Yeah, could be. Could be. According to one commentary in Rashi, it's, uh, the, it was actually four images. The four um, images that are, that are described by Ezekiel in his vision of the chariot, the divine chariot. The face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. Rashi mentions lion and eagle, but it could be, you know, it could be more. Anyway, different, just different opinions. I'm not sure what it was. Uh, you know, we're, we're still looking for the originals. But, you know, it's, it's, it, either way, it takes a lot of skill to weave images on both sides. Now, let's continue about the details. And again, we did a little of this yesterday, but we're just jumping back in with the rolling star. Verse 2. The length of one curtain shall be 28 cubits. 28 cubits is about 42 feet. 42 feet is a long curtain. That's really long. And the width of each curtain, one curtain, shall be four cubits, which is about six feet. So it's 42 by six feet. It's a lot of, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of material, right? It's a lot of stuff. The same measure for all the curtains. All your curtains were to be the same dimension. Let's continue. Five of these curtains shall be joined to one another, and the other five curtains shall also be joined to one another. So total of 10 okay. curtains. One, one second. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay. What am I going to say? It's hard to describe, my friends, but... Let me do this. Let me show you all what I have here. Ta-da! Always difficult for me to do this, but I'm doing this anyway. What is this? Hold on. One sec. Oh, look at that. Lions and eagles. Lions and eagles in the picture. That's kind of cool. Okay? I don't know if you could see that. I'm trying to get really close to my camera. A little lion and eagle action. Um, I don't know if that's exactly what it looked like, but that's the way it's depicted here in this image. So what, what could be wrong? If you notice in this image, there are 10 curtains. 10 curtains. Right? They have to go over this Mishkan building. This is the building inside of which was the menorah, the inner altar, the showbread table, and in the Holy of Holies, in the, in, the, in the deepest chamber, there was the Ark of the Covenant, all inside this building, covered with these curtains. There's eight curtains, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and then another two down this side. That's a total of 10 curtains, eight plus two is 10. So that's the way the curtains crumbled. I'm kidding, they didn't crumble. That's the way it worked. So it, it extended over the whole thing, hence the 42 feet. It had to go up the side, across the top of the Mishkan, and down the other side. It got to cover it all the way through three sides. So hence your 42 feet. Hence your 42 feet. Okay. 
I think I got that accurate, more or less. I could be off, but that's, that's what I'm seeing. Now, let's get back inside. Sharing screen, and by the way, all of this, even in the Schumish, it says hang of the tapestries according to the Brysa 49 Midot, which means it's, it comes from a, a Mishnaic era source called the Brysa that describes this in detail, which means that from the verses, you're not really gonna get like a full picture without more commentaries and expositions on this, but we're, we're gonna do our best. So let's continue. You join five to each other and then the other five to each other, and you shall make loops of blue wool. Loops of blue wool on the edge of one curtain that is at the edge of the first set. And so you shall do to the edge of the outermost curtain on the second set. So you had, you had two sets of curtains, five and five. Those two sets of curtains are joined to each other. Let me just say that again. Those two sets of curtains are joined to each other by a loop and hook system. Yeah? Your standard loop and hook. Loop and clasp if you want to get fancy, right? Yeah, loop and clasp right there. So you make loops of blue wool on the edge of one curtain and on uh, the edge of the second set as well. You shall make 50 loops on the edge of one curtain. You shall make 50 loops on the edge of the curtain in the second set. The loops shall correspond to one another. Ooh, my bad, my bad. It wasn't hook and loop. It was loop and loop. With a hook, with a clasp in between. Are you with me on this? Yeah. yeah? You got your loop, your standard, standard blue wool loop on one side, standard blue wool loop on the other side, and then, I wish I had a third hand, boom. Then you clasp them together, and that's what you do. Verse 6, you shall make 50 golden clasps. Well, that came out weird. 50 golden clasps. And you shall fashion the curtains to one another with the clasps. So shall the Mishkan become one. Five and five, you got the hook and loop system, boom, now you got them together. And then, okay, so that's all the tapestries that were made of, just to clarify, just to clarify, these are all the curtains that were made out of twisted fine linen, blue, purple, and crimson wool. Those were the 10 curtains, five and five, uh, looped and hooked together. Now we continue, and then you shall make curtains of goat hair. Curtains made of goat hair. For a tent over the Mishkan, you shall make 11 curtains. Look at this. And now, in my Chumash, it really looks like it's the same space. Does that mean that the goat hair covered the other one? You had this beautiful uh, situation and it was covered with curtains of goat hair? Possibly, quite yeah. possibly. Well, it seems like that when it would rain, even though they were in the desert, it does rain. And when it does, it would ruin the wool. Can you imagine the smell, though, Not of here. the goat? Don't stand out of the rain, you know. Can... So they're okay with it, <laughs> but wool would be ruined. They don't get waterlogged on the inside, you're saying. Their, their goat hair skin somehow, for, that's hilarious. Right, but can you imagine the smell? Anyway, all right, fine. Let's, uh, um, we'll leave that for another conversation. Even the wool, by the way, in the, in the rain, gewalt. Let's continue. And then you shall make curtains of goat hair for a tent over the mishka. So these are not the curtains. This is like what seems like a covering on top of the covering. You shall make 11 curtains. Uh-oh, we had 10 before, now we have 11. Okay, again, the pictures, the pictures in the chumash, which I'm not gonna show because it's not, you're not really, I don't think anyone can see the specific lines. It shows kind of how 
the 11 curtains cover a little bit more. Yeah, a little bit more. Okay, let's continue. The length of, oh, look at this now. Look at this plot twist. The length of one curtain shall be 30 cubits. For those playing at home, the other curtains that were underneath were only 28 cubits. Get, see what's happening? This is covering the other one and hanging down even a little bit further. The other one clearly didn't go down to the ground. This one's going down. I don't know if it's going all the way down to the ground, but it's going down on each side of the overhang. It's going down another cubit. It's your classic cubit cover. Classic extra cubit cover. It's like La Havdil. I got a tablecloth, right? It's your Shabbos table. You got three, three entities. You got your table. You got your tablecloth, and then, okay, listen, this is just what we do sometimes. We got this plastic vinyl overlay, because, you know, the tablecloth is nice, and, you know, things can get spilled, especially with the young ones. So we'll have the plastic on occasion, easy cleanup, easy wipe, no mess, no fuss. But you want that a little bit longer than your tablecloth, so you have three entities now, right? You got your base, you got your fabric, and our actual, we actually don't have a vinyl one, we actually have goat hair. I'm kidding. It's vinyl. But that would be the overhang that goes a little bit a little bit longer. All right, so it's 30 cubits now. And the width of one curtain is four cubits. Oh, well, that makes sense now. The width of each of these curtains is four cubits. The width of the other ones, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, no, no, no. It was also four cubits. All right. Hold on. I'm back. I thought it was six. No, six feet. Four cubits. So it's the same. The same width, but a longer length. So it's covering more. And now you have an extra curtain. You have an extra... What are they calling this? You have an extra, um, oh, where am I? One second. You have an extra goat hair curtain just for kicks. No, I mean, it's, I guess it's covering more area. Okay, that's it. Let's continue verse nine. And you shall join the five curtains by themselves. Oh, and the other six curtains by themselves. So it's now five and six, not five and five, obviously, because you have 11. Five and six. And you shall fold. Oh, here we, we just have to hold on and just read it. You shall fold the sixth curtain before the front of the tent. Good. It overhangs. It gets folded. It's overhanging to the point that it's folding. Good. That's our 11th, the 11th um, goat hair curtain. And you shall make 50 loops on the edge of one curtain, which is at the edge of the first set, and 50 loops on the edge of the outermost curtain of the second set. Same deal. This time, instead of five and five, it's five and six. But where they meet, you create loops. And you shall make loops on both sides. And then you shall make 50 copper clasps. These are not gold. These are also not specified as being blue, blue wool. Notice, just 50 loops. What are we making the loops out of? All right, it's not clear here. At least based on the biblical uh, instruction, before the loops we were told, were made to be made out of blue wool, loops of blue wool, but that was when you were dealing with wool curtains anyway. Now we're dealing with goat hair curtains, so the loops aren't specified. I guess it's whatever naturally goes with goat hair curtains, which I don't know what that is. Um, but the clasps, instead of gold, are now copper. You shall bring the clasps into the loops and you shall fasten the tent together so that it will become one. All right, good. By the way, you wanna get like, Mystical, philosophical, good. We got to clasp to each other. We got to connect. We should become one. Good. Get your loops. Get your clasps. Let's have a fabrengan. Verse 12. Mm -hmm. And the overhanging excess in the curtains of the tent, right? What do you do with the overhang? Half of the extra curtain shall hang over the rear of the mishka. 
and the cubit from here and the cubit from there. Sounds like a, a recipe, a cubit here, a cubit there. Okay, the cubit from here and the cubit from there of the excess and the length of the currents of the tent shall hang over the sides of the mishkan from here and from there to cover it. What that means is the extra cubit. We already did that math before, right? 30 cubits to 28 cubits. That's an extra cubit right there, my friends. And that's talking about the, the width, not the length, the width. I mean the length of the curtain, but the width of the mishkan. I hope what I'm saying makes sense. Basically, you got 28 cubits of, of, of uh, wool curtain and 30 cubits of goat hair uh, curtain. So that means that a cubit from here and a cubit from there of the excess and the length of the curtains of the tent shall hang over the sides of the mishkan from here and from there to cover it. In other words, you should not... The asymmetry would get me so bothered. If you were to line it up on one side and then go two cubits extra on the other side, that would drive me bananas. So the Torah says, no, go one extra here and one extra there. Keep it symmetrical, please, and keep all of our OCD in check. That's the way it's going to work. Okay, next, verse 14, you, you shall make a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red and a covering of tachash skins above. You thought you were fine with two layers? My friends, I raise you now three layers, maybe even four. Now we have ram skins dyed red and a covering of tachash skins above. Tachash was the magical, the magical Mishkan unicorn. It wasn't actually a unicorn, but the tachash was this, uh, this, um, uh, <laughs> this uh, miraculous animal that only existed at the time of the Mishkan to provide skins. Well, I don't know if they were asked, but to be used for the skins for this, for this purpose, the tachash. Um, I feel like we have a basic idea of what's going on here. I think the, all of our, um, our picture people in the Chumash, in the Gunung edition, they tapped out at second layer. They're like, nah, we're not, we're just, we're done. We're not going with, uh, we're not going to show the, the red ram skins. We're not going to show the tachash skins covering. We're just going to tap out at this point. Um, I guess because it's not made, it's not specified of, now, the dimensions and how many pieces and how it's attached together. It just says a covering for the tent of ramskins that I'd read in a covering of tachashkins above. So I think what we're going to do now is toggle our favorite Rashi. When I say favorite, toggle our favorite commentary Rashi. This is by no means a diss to the other commentaries, just saying. Um, and, and look at a few Rashis that I think is important. Just to explain that what we said before is correct, of the excess, a cubit from here, a cubit from there, of the excess of the length, Rashi says, the excess which exceed the length of the lower currents of the Mishkan by two, by two cubits, right? You have two strips of, of, of curtains. You have the lower level strip is 28, the higher level is 30, okay? So basically just put, get the, the extra two, divide it, one and one on either side shall hang on the, the, over the two sides of the Mishkan, i.e. the northern and southern sides. Uh, just so you know, the Mishkan was oriented. It was a rectangle. When I say the Mishkan, there's the outer courtyard, but then the inner building. The inner building was oriented in an east-west, in an east-west formation. Okay, so if you're, if you're like facing north, so your Mishkan is going to go, is going to run east-west. So the north and southern sides are the width of the Mishkan. I hope that makes sense. Right, it's good. Let me use my phone. Okay, phone. Here you got your Mishkan. This is north, south, 
Oh man. North, hey, I'm looking at it with you guys. North, south, west, east. West was where the Holy of Holies was. The rest was just the Holy, not just, the rest was the Holies. The Holy of Holies was the little chamber to the side. Inside this building. This is covered now with tapestries. This is like bird's eye view right here. Okay, so the, they hung down on the northern and southern sides. The, the strips, right? All right, I think it makes sense. Yeah, okay, good. I'm looking for, for like replicas here. I don't know why I would have anything that resembles any of this other than a rectangle uh, smartphone. Let's continue verse 14. Oh, this is what I wanted to do. A covering for the tent. So for the roof of goat hair curtains, that's second layer, make an additional covering of ram skins dyed red. There you go. Third layer. That's the third layer. First layer is the, the wool. Second layer is the goat skin. The goat, um, goat hair skin things. The third level is now ram skins dyed red. Red ram skins. So funny. The rams are in the Super Bowl. No relation. Okay, now additionally, above it, place a covering of tachash skins. Fourth level. That's the magical unicorn thing. These two coverings covered only the roof, their length being 30 cubits, and their width 10. Oh, yeah, okay, good. It didn't overhang. These didn't overhang. These were just roof, just the top, just the top of the, of the Mishka. These are the words of Rabbi Nehemiah, but according to Rabbi Yehuda, oh, obviously there's a machlokas, obviously there's a dispute, but according to Rabbi Yehuda, there was only one cover, Half of it made of ram skins dyed red, and half of it made from tachash skins. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. There's two opinions. One says that there were four layers. You get your wool, your goat hair, your ram skin, and your tachash. The other one says three layers. Wool, goat hair, hybrid, half ram skin, half tachash. I don't know what we're going to do with this. I mean, like, where do we go with this? I don't think we're going anywhere. This is just the two different uh, opinions about what this thing looked like. Bird's eye view. All right, let me check in. Does this make sense? I'm going to offer this. This has been a very big tachash. Because there's no mention of, of uh, or a big ram, or both. Because there's no mention. 30 cubits by 10 cubits? Do you understand what that is? 30 by 10? That's 45 feet by 15 feet. That's a lot of leather. That's a lot of skin. Now, how do you sew skin together? I have no idea, but it's done, right? Obviously, it's done. It's a thing. So that's it. That was the cover. So is that how big the tachash is? Well, no, I was kind of kidding. I was only saying tongue-in-cheek. Oh. tongue and tachash cheek No, I was kidding to say maybe it was one piece. No, I'm assuming that it was... It was the, although if it's a miraculous tachash, why not? Maybe just one tachash to cover them all. One tachash to rule the roost. Who knows? I don't know. That would be an interesting question. The tachash, we've explained before, the tachash is described... Um, I just stopped sharing for a second. I want to do some quick Googling. Tachash... Um, here we go. Okay, one second. Oh, sorry, go ahead. 
Okay. I, there's a lot of different opinions here. I have an article from Chabad.org up here. Okay, I don't mind sharing this with you guys. Sharing my screen. Here, the, what was the mysterious Tachash? Okay, here we go. Ask Rabbi Y. Oh, that's cute. Ah, oh, Yehuda, oh, I get it, that's cute. Okay, what was the mysterious Tachash? So it's a whole article here. I'm, I mean, we're not going to go through this now, the whole thing, but just, just so you know, the exact entity of the Tachash has been a matter of great speculation. Right? And I love how in this list... You have um, a giant colorful unicorn. I mean, literally, literally, that's one of the sections of this article is a giant colorful unicorn. And I'm, you know what? Hey, if we don't have a lot of time for this, I'm just going to go straight to that section. The Targum, the Aramaic translation of the Torah, renders the Tachash as Saskona. The Talmud explains that this is because it rejoices, Sas, like Simcha, in its many colors, Gvanim. The Midrash tells us that it was a large, wild, kosher animal that had a single horn. Look at that! Legit! A kosher, large, wild, kosher animal that had a single horn, a.k.a. a unicorn. Its skin was made up of six colors, and its length was 30 amos! We got it! We, this is it! You know what? Honestly, there's other opinions, but how could you not love this opinion? I'm gonna... That's it. I found, I found my, uh, my preferred version without, by just perusing the other ones very briefly, but I, who, how can you not love this one? A giant, colorful unicorn that single-handedly, I'm just going to say, covers the Mishkan. That's incredible. There you go. There's your, there's your classic Tachash right there. Can't make that up. I mean, you could, but it's not going to be better than that one. That's fantastic. Okay. Does it still exist? No way. It existed during the construction of the Mishkan, but afterwards it was hidden from the world. Will we ever see the Tachash again? Sam Sofer says that the general species exists, but miraculously, some of these normally non-kosher animals were created kosher. Special run. God did a special run to make some of them kosher. Limited time only. Others explain that the species isn't normally found in the Senate Desert, but it was... Listen, if it's a multicolor giant unicorn situation... Then obviously it's one time, one time only. Um, so what was it? Ermine, badger, seal, antelope, okapi, zebra, and giraffe. Maybe it is clear that they don't fit with the Talmud of Midrash, which Midrash said the colorful one. Um, anyway, the Rebbe explains here. We'll, we'll end up with this. I mean, end up this piece with this insight. The Rebbe explains that the uniqueness of the Tachash is that it is the only creation that was ex- used exclusively for holy purposes. Thus, the Tachash illustrates that the ultimate purpose for all of creation is to be used only in the service of God. This will be fully realized with the building of the third temple may be spilled in our days. In other words, the Tachash is representative of something that only existed to build God's home in this world. And that becomes now the model almost for everything that even though things have other use also, but we, sh- we should use it only to build God's home on earth because at its core, everything is a tachash. Hashtag tachash forever. Bring back the tachash. <laughs> yeah. So is that because of each of our uniqueness and possessing a 
small piece of Hashem within the soul He created within us? And is that what makes us Pakash? Absolutely. Absolutely. We have, we have uh, a, spark, a soul spark. But in addition to that, I think it, it may go also extending even to the stuff that we have, like our possessions. That everything could be viewed as a tachash also. The tachash, you know, people use unicorn as like a, like a bizarre, like a fluke, like a weird thing. But maybe it's also like the tachash was this unicorn of, of an existence that basically served a single purpose to serve God. Well, the question is, can we, can we replicate that with all of our stuff, right? Can this, just happen to have an orange on my desk, can this orange be a tachash? In other words, why would I eat this? Because I like, love the taste of orange, maybe. But if I eat it for the sake of serving Hashem, boom, I've now made this like a tachash, existing solely for the sake of, of something higher than itself. So our job really, sound weird, our job is to take everything in this world and make it a giant, colorful unicorn. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but it's to apply the tachash filter to everything that exists. Let's just make this a giant, colorful unicorn. That's it. I mean, Riva already draws like that. I mean, basically, like, the world is... So then, why not? Let's just all do that. Okay. All right. That's reading three. All of that was yesterday. I mean, it's still today. But let's... um, Let's jump into reading number four, which is allocated to Wednesday, which will be perfect. It's a shorter reading. Let's jump in. Okay, here we go. Reading four. <coughs> Let's go. Exodus chapter 26, verse 15. And you shall make... Oh, here we go. What are the walls? The outer walls. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Not the outer walls. Not the outer walls. These are the walls of the Mishkan. The building that we spoke about. I feel like I want to show you a picture. Give me a sec. I want to show you like a full bird's eye. This whole th- oh, ta-da! Found it. In the Gunnar Chumash, for those that have it, it's on five thirty-one. <coughs> Otherwise, I'm going to zoom it in over here, right here on the on the old screen. Okay, you see what I'm talking about? There's the outer courtyard or the courtyard. The, there's an outer wall that creates a space of a courtyard that's open, you know, open to, to the sky. And then you have the Mishkan building. So the Mishkan building, that's what we've been talking about with the curtains and, and all that stuff. That's that. And now we're going to talk about the walls of that Mishkan building, not the outer walls. That's a different conversation. These are the walls that comprise... Um, that structure, the Mishkan structure. Inside that structure, I know I've said it like multiple times, inside that structure, there was the menorah, the golden menorah. There was the golden altar that was used for incense. There was the showbread table that was used to display the, the 12 loaves of bread. And in an innermost chamber inside that Mishkan building was the Holy of Holies that housed the Ark of the Covenant. So let's talk about, yes. Oh, you know, in that good on um, page five thirty one, there's a little compass down in the right hand corner. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? It actually bugs me a little bit, but it's it's a little bit like skewed because they did the picture a little bit off center instead of doing because I wanted to give it three dimensionality. But if you look at it, it's it follows the angle of the Mishkan, so it runs west east, and like the length and the the width is north south. Anyway. 
Yeah, but that is helpful. I didn't notice that before. Thank you for pointing that out. It's, uh, it helps us stay oriented. All right, Exodus chapter 26, verse 15. Here we go. You shall make the planks for the Mishkan. That's the actual building. Of acacia wood upright. Acacia wood is the preferred wood of the temple construction. God says to Moses, make it of acacia wood, and it should be upright planks. Ten cubits shall be the length of each plank. That's 15 feet. A cubit and a half shall be the width of each plank. That is 2.25 feet. So it's 15 feet by two and a quarter. Okay? Imagine a plank of wood that is 15 by two and a quarter. That's a big plank of wood. Not going to lie. That's a, how thick is the wood? I don't know. It doesn't specify how thick it is. But it's got to, you know... It's got to stand up without warping and all that stuff. So it's got to be something. It's got to be somehow legitimately thick enough. Now, each plank shall have two square pegs. Okay? Rung-like, one even with the other. So shall you make all the planks of the Mishkan. So basically, these planks of wood had pegs at the bottom. Okay? I'm going to show you 525. There's a picture of the beams. Planks, beams, whatever you want to call them, same thing. Okay, let me stop sharing for a second, just so you can we can visualize right away. Uh, here we go. That, that's your classic um, plank beam, 15 feet by two and a quarter with a little two pegs. It looks pretty thick in this picture. It's pretty thick. Not gonna lie. How thick? I don't know. It doesn't say. Anyway, but it's got the two pegs at the bottom. That's the key idea. Two pegs. And those pegs are going to go into sockets, silver sockets, as you see right there. But we're not, we're not up to there yet. We're not up to there yet. Let's, um, let's get back inside. Just want to make sure we understand what those pegs look like. Um, and, and you shall make the planks for the Mishkan, 20 planks for the southern side. Remember, this, the, the southern side... The southern side means... Is one of the long edges. Right, thank you. That's, thank you for saying what I'm trying to get out of my brain. Yes, it's one of the long sides. So that means 20 times one and a half. I said it's two and a quarter feet, but it's one and a half amos, or amot, cubits. So one and a half times 20 should be 30. Am I wrong here? Should be 30. We're talking about 30 cubits. If you line them up, if you line up 20 of these planks that are one and a half amos wide, that's 30 amos, which is 45 feet. Your length of the Mishkan is about 40, about 45 feet, give or take. 20 planks for the southern side, and you shall make 40 silver sockets. Okay, now, now to the sockets. I mentioned this before, but let's talk about sockets. You need 40 silver sockets under the 20 planks, because each plank has two pegs and two pegs, wait. Oh, okay. The sockets weren't built out with two holes. Each socket took one peg. Does that make sense what I'm saying? In other words, each plank with two pegs required two separate sockets. Honestly, it sounds like it could be built a little bit more stable than that, but that's the way the picture depicts. So I'm gonna show my screen once again. And, uh, and you can see it. You see the, 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 the plank 
with the pegs and the sockets, there's two sockets, two individual sockets. That means for each plank, you got two sockets. For 20 planks, yeah, that's 40 sockets. So, Rabbi, yeah. I have the Lubavitcher Rebbe's Homish. Yeah, yeah, good. And so there's a picture here at the top. I'm going to see if I can get it. Make my, And it shows a more detailed version yeah. of what you're talking about. Love that. Yeah, I love that. So you get your, you got your pegs and, um, and you got your sockets. Each socket is individual. Each individual peg goes into one individual socket, two sockets needed per plank of wood. All right, back inside. Um, okay. Oh, and that's exactly what the Torah says. You should make 40 silver sockets under the 20 planks, two sockets under one plank for its two square pegs, and two sockets under one plank for its two square pegs. That's the way the Torah says for each one, each and every one. That's, it just repeats it twice. So two sockets under one plank for the pegs, for the two pegs, and two sockets under the other plank for its two square pegs times 20. And for the second side of the Mishkan, on the northern side, 20 planks. In other words, the other length. The southern length, 20. The northern length, 20. Let's continue. And there, 40 silver sockets. You need 40 for that side as well. Two sockets under one plank and two sockets under one plank. In other words, each and every plank require two sockets. And for the western end, now we're dealing with the first of the, what would you call that? Narrow, not narrow, um, shorter. The shorter lengths on the west, on the two short ends. The western end of the Michigan, you should make six planks for the math Six times one and a half is nine, which is approximately 15 feet, approximately. Okay, so for the western end, you shall make six planks. You shall make two planks at the, ooh, ooh, hold on. And you shall make two planks at the corners of the Mishkan at the end. What are the corners of the Mishkan at the end? What does that mean? Let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Let's see if we can toggle a Rashi over here. Okay, give me a sec. One at the northwestern corner and one at the southwestern corner. Look at this. One, let me, let me see. One at the northwestern corner. Let me picture this. Northwest, I got it in my brain. An extra plank and another extra plank at the southwest corner. Okay. Okay, makes sense. But didn't you say the western end was where the Holy of Holies were? So this is giving extra support over the Holy of Holies? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That would be that side. Yeah, that would be that western side. Correct. All eight planks were in a row, were in one row, but these two in the corners were not in the interior space of the Mishkan. Only a half cubit from here from one plank and a half cubit from there from another plank appear in the interior space to complete its width to the total of 10 cubits. The extra cubit from here and from there, ah, i.e. of each corner plank coincide with the cubits of the thickness of the planks of the Mishkan on the northern and the southern sides, that the corner would be even on the outside. Got it. Classic width. I asked before how, how wide were each, how wide were the planks? Not wide, sorry, how thick were the planks? The answer is one cubit. And so therefore, when you line them up, how do you line them up? On the inside or the outside? Um, that's not even a question. It's really, I'm looking around for stuff. 
man, this is, this is what I'm going to revert to. DVD boxes. All right. From, from our summer cinema. <laughs> I got DVDs. All right. Basically, when you're lining up stuff, yeah, so you're lining it up azoi, like this. In other words, this is the shorter end. This is the shorter end. This is the western end. This is the northern end. You're lining it up not on the outside, on the inside. Therefore, therefore, therefore. Therefore something. Therefore, at the edge, you have an overlap. The thickness of this side overlaps that side's width. This is thick. It's obviously not the scale, right? These are the wrong size. This is one cubit thick. That's one and a half cubit long, which means that it's covering most of it. Again, this is not the scale. All you have left is a half a cubit. And you do that on both edges. That means that you have an extra cubit. You had six planks, one and a half cubits wide, which made it nine cubits, plus a half and another half, and that makes 10 cubits on the inside. That makes sense. On the outside, it's longer. On the outside, you're, you're not 10, you're 12. On the outside is 12 cubits, the inside is 10 because each side gets swallowed up by one of the other, by one of the other beams from the, from the, from the length. All right, to me it makes sense, but I understand that it's uh, very technical here. I'm just getting excited about the technicality here now. All right, let's jump back inside. Let's toggle Rashi off, but at least we can get an understanding of what, more or less of what he's saying over here, what the, what the Torah is saying. Um, bum, ba -dum, ba -dum. Hold on. Two planks at the corner. Oh, yeah, we just did verse 23. You should make two planks at the corners of the Mishkan at the end, and they shall be matched evenly from below, and together they shall match at its top to be put into one, into the one ring. Wait, are we up to here? Is this where we got up to? Yes. Verse 24. Were we up to 24? Maybe. Anyway, it says, uh, they shall be matched even from below, and together they shall match at its top to be put into the one ring. So shall it be for, for, the, for both of them, they shall be for the two corners. Now, what does it mean that it's for the ring? So let's see. Um, oh, they should fit close together and be connected to each other by a ring, which slots into the grooves, carved into the beams. So too for that. I see. I see. Aha, uh -huh, Interesting. This takes us to another interesting um, manufacturing tweak. If you look at the top of the beams, the top of the beams had grooves. I don't know if you could see this. And then there were other rings, also kind of, they look kind of like these pegs, to be honest. I'm not going to lie. I mean the, um, the foundation. But these went to co-join the planks to each other. They would go over one half of one and over the other half of the other. And that's what would be the connecting ring to attach planks together. Because you might be wondering, if you just have planks that are standing up next to each other and each one has their own foundation, at some point they can move, right? At some point, you got a wall that's going to fall over or that's not, not so co cohesive. So what you do is you take the two planks, you carve a notch in each of them at the top, and you put like a, like a holder 
think of like a staple, sort of, that holds the two planks together, half of one and half of the other, and it seals it together. And then you do, you keep on doing that. So each plank at the top had two grooves for these two, for the rings. Okay, Bo's getting it. Bo gets it. This is not like outside of Bo's expertise right here. Just, just gonna say. All right, back inside. So it shall be for both of them, they shall be for the two corners. Let's go. And there shall be eight planks and there's silver sockets, 16 sockets, two sockets under one plank and two sockets under one plank. We just said there are really eight, not six, but eight planks on the, on the width, on the, the small, the narrow side of the Michigan building on the western side. Six plus two is eight. And each one should have, of course, silver sockets, two under each, which is 16 silver sockets total. And you shall make bars of acacia wood. And there I thought he was going to say chocolate. Bars of acacia wood, five for the planks of one side of the Mishkan, and five bars for the planks of the second side of the Mishkan, and five bars for the planks at the rear side of the Mishkan on the westward end. What are these five bars? So here we go. What are the bars? The bars were... Um, the bars were connecting bars, like crossbars, that went also to hold all the planks of wood together. You had planks of wood lined up next to each other. So again, what, what stops them from like, you know, moving and, and shaking? So you have the rings on the top that are holding them together. Okay, that's good. But you also have rings and crossbars that go across the planks. And that holds it together in a very... Oh, there we go. Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me stop sharing so I can see you a little bit bigger. Let me make that big. Let me see for myself. Love it. There you go. Crossbars. One, there's two rings, one at the top, toward the top, toward the bottom, and then one in the center, in the actual width of the actual uh, situation of the beam. There was another bar that went through the actual width of the, of the beam, of the plank. Okay. One second, I'm hitting the wrong buttons here. All right, let's get back to sharing screen. Literally hitting random buttons here on my Zoom. Okay, share. I have a poll up for no reason. No, we're not sharing a poll. Okay, <laughs> the poll, we are talking about polls on some level. Let's continue. And the middle bar in the midst of the planks shall extend and penetrate from one end to the other end. This was a miracle. This was a miracle. They put in the bar, are you with me? They put in the bar the middle bar, that center bar that ran through the inside, the interior of the planks, they pushed it in and it miraculously made the, the corner bend. Are you with me? Like a, you know, like they pushed it in and it made a right, it made a, made a 90 degree turn and then it made another 90 degree turn and made another 90 degree turn to come back to where it started. And you shall overlay the planks with gold. All of these planks should be covered in gold and their rings the rings that we talked about for the crossbars, the rings you shall make of gold as holders for the bars, crossbars, and you shall overlay the bars with gold. So it's all wood covered with gold. That gives us a new picture of what this whole thing looked like. Until now, we were picturing wood. No, 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 no. When you look at it from the outside, shimmering, shimmering, glimmering, something like that in gold. Verse 30, and this ends our reading, and you shall erect the Mishkan according to its proper manner. <laughs> After all this, you'd be like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens, right? Whatever gets up there, gets up there. It's like when you, <laughs> when you buy something. 
buy an Ikea something, you build it, and you're like, I have all these pieces that are extra. And it doesn't look exactly, yeah, it's good enough. It works. It's functional. Nope. You shall write the Mishkan according to its proper manner, as you will have been shown on the mountain. God tells Moses, this is all God speaking to Moses. Get this right. Make this happen. I think the only question for me is why we have five bars. Why we have five bars when it only looks like there are three bars. Top, bottom, and middle. Why five bars? So, let's see if we can see this clarified in Rashi. Five. These five bars oh, were actually three. The one item that's still left niggling in my brain is why five bars? And Rashi says, no, there were three. But the top and bottom bars were made of two segments. One part would penetrate until half of the wall. The other would penetrate until half of the wall's length. That I don't understand. Two segments. One part would penetrate until half of the wall. The other one would penetrate until half of the wall's length. One part of the bar was inserted into... What does that mean? Because, because that's... Yo, guys. Because, go ahead. Yeah. Somebody. So the center hole... Dr. Max, you jump in. All right. So the center hole where these bars went, these were going, if I read it, understand what I'm reading, they went on the long walls, the, um, the north-south walls. And even if you covered the acacia in gold, over the course of time, it's going to bend and sag in the middle, so you have two bars, so that they meet in the middle, and it's fully erect and supports the structure. Okay. All right, Sarah, what were you saying? I was thinking, like, if you were to draw a circle with two halves. Thank you very much. Sorry, guys. Yes, please. Um, to draw a circle, you know, like, you take two lines to draw a circle, and you said that the bar is bent. Right. Right? Right. Yeah. So you would go, it would go halfway, you'd push it in, and it would bend that corner and go halfway, and then you'd push it in the other way, and it would bend halfway out. Got it. Okay. Could be. Okay. All right, let's see. The uh, five bars were actually three. The top and bottom bars are made of two segments. One part would penetrate until half the wall. The other would penetrate until half the wall's length. One part of the bar was inserted into a ring on this one side, and the other one was inserted into a ring on the other side until one part of the bar reached the other. In the middle? Yeah. So that means, essentially... You put them in and they did that. Okay, thus the top one bar and the bottom one bar were two but there were actually four. But the length of the middle one bar ran along the entire wall and penetrated from one end to the other, one end of the wall to the other end, as it says the middle bar shall extend from one end to the other. The top and bottom bars had rings on the planks which, in which they were to be inserted, two rings for every plank. Oh, that's what it is. That's what it is. I see. I, although, no, I don't really see, but... Okay. Attachment to be placed within the 10 cubits of the height of the plank, one part from the highest rung, bring to the top. Each part was one-fourth of the length of the plank, and there were two parts between one ring and the other ring. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. This is a little bit, still a little bit unclear to me, personally. Um, but, and I feel like also the picture that I have here in the Chumash, it's not really giving me that clarity. So what I want to do is I'm going to just Google Mishkan 
plank bars and see if we get something resembling something. Let me see if I can find a picture of this. Some sort of imagery. The odds of finding this I know are a little bit slim, but nonetheless, let me see if I can find something here. Got to find the kosher source also, make sure that it's uh, actually legit. Okay, still looking, give me a second. I can spend too much time on this before we close it out. Okay, so here's the deal. I am going to look for homework. Someone sketch this out and bring it back tomorrow or you don't have to, or you can find the picture. Either way, either way is good. Five bars, three bars. You know, the fact that Rashi says five were really three, I'm okay with picturing it as three also. I'm, like, I don't, I'm not beating myself up too much about this. I'm thinking that somehow that there were two bars that met somewhere this way. Not that way, but this way. But I just can't figure out exactly. Because if, if you had for each of the two rings, each two, then you would have more than five bars. You would have like hundreds of bars. But, so I can't figure out like at what, which point did two bars meet together? At which segment? Because every wall, it sound, every plank had two, two pegs, two, two, um, two rings for these bars to go through. Anyway, these are my questions, but we'll, we'll all, you know, let's everyone do a little homework on this, see if you can figure this out. And... Um, it's a thing, the sukkah is easier, right? <laughs> especially like a pop-up sukkah, you throw it in the air, boom. All right, my friends, thank you for joining me today. So what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is, you know, here's my takeaway. You ready? To build a home for God is going to be a little detailed because God is in the details. And so in our lives, it's easy to do like the big mitzvahs, you know, like the big, you know, the big ones and they're kind of general mitzvahs. Maybe those are a little bit, you know, more intuitive or whatever it is. But this reminds us to pay attention to details as well. As we know, Jewish law is very detailed down to how we tie our shoes in the morning. That there's, legit, there's a thing about how to tie shoes. I'll give you the, the spoiler alert. You put on your right shoe first. It sounds like a song. You put your right shoe on, you put your left shoe on, but then when tying it, you go the other way around. You do left and then right. So you put on the right, then the left, and then you tie the left and the right. My point is, there's a lot of details. God is in the details. Let's make sure that every moment counts and that we are attentive to not just the big things, but also the little things. All right, please join me tonight for Torah study, 7.30 p.m. We have a great class tonight about the Mishkan, tabernacle, building space for God in our lives, in our communities, in our families. All of that is tonight at 7.30. And upcoming is... What do we have upcoming? All right, check the website. Tomorrow my, my afternoon. Brain. Tomorrow afternoon, July, yes. Oh, right, so no DPP tomorrow because I'll be doing the in-person JLI. We're back on Friday for the grand finale of the Torah portion. All right. Great to see you all. Have a wonderful day. Hope to see you a little, a little bit later. Take care, Bye. everybody. Bye. Bye.